Grab your Bibles with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. Just remain standing for just a little bit. And I just want to thank God for just what he has done within my life and what he just continues to do. I learned a long time ago, always leave room for God to blow your mind. I learned that a long time ago. Always leave room for God to blow your mind. I'm not saying here this morning that this message is going to blow your mind. Probably not even going to blow your mind. But I pray that it directs and helps in the pathway that you're going down. And this morning, I see a lot of visitors out here. If this is your first time here within our church, we want to welcome you. Thank you for coming on out. pray this is not your last time here with us this morning. And we're excited for those of you that say, well, here I come to church. I don't get a chance to interact. Listen, you can interact. We have our life groups, and we have a great time within our life groups. They're starting up real soon. Uh, get involved in a life group. Find one because it's a great, great time where we can talk, have some fellowship, and just, uh, you know, kind of break down a few of the walls that we might have. And uh, even this week, I want to challenge you. If you get the opportunity, we're having house-to-house prayer. And so you're probably saying, well, where do we pray at? Where are we going to go at? There's a list outside when you walk out there in the info booth after service. It has a list of all the houses that you can go to and you can pray all throughout the week. If you say, well, I can't make it Monday, but I can make it Tuesday, find the house that's available. There's a whole checklist that's right there, the houses that are available on Tuesday, the houses that are available on Thursday, and the houses that are available on Friday. I believe our house, me and my wife, our house is open on Thursday uh, that we're going to have. There's a few house, different houses all throughout the week. We have three houses, four houses, five houses. Uh, so find a house and get involved in prayer because this is the month of prayer. Can I hear an amen? And uh, I know many of you have been fasting, and you have been fasting. I just want to say this about fasting, okay, because I know some people, you know, they fast. and Oh, look at how long I've been. Look, that's great. It's fast. But I want to challenge you. Keep it to yourself, but don't fast to lose weight. I say it humorously, and I say it seriously. Don't fast to lose weight fast to lose sin. That's why you fast, to get closer to God. Because the closer you get to him, everything else has to fall away. So if you fast, please do. Please do fast. Please do it. But that's why you, I want to encourage you to do it. Amen? Acts chapter 2, verse 40. We're going to read one verse and then also in 1 Timothy chapter 1. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, it says, With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Verse 41 says, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their church that day. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, still there in the New Testament, just a few books over, to your right, there in the Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which, were, which went before on you, that you by them might war a good warfare. Mm. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand and tell them, I am glad you're in my church. Then you may be seated. I 
just want to bless your name. You ever just go off sometimes and just start singing? Start singing? I wish I knew how to sing. Get a little, we have a Christian, Christian Luther Vandross. I don't know why you just keep coming up with Luther. Someone just come up and just like, mm-hmm. Start singing. Some of you guys can sing. You need to start singing for the Lord and stop singing for the shower. Let's sing for the Lord. I believe with all my heart that God wants to build a monumental church here in Hayward, California. I believe with all my heart that God wants to build a monumental church here in Hayward, California. If you believe that, say amen. I believe that. And if you were here last week, this is part two of that same series of why I believe God wants to build a monumental church here within city, within the city of Hayward, but also who is in that church. Now, some people always ask, well, why would you say that? What, what makes you say that God wants to build a monumental a big church and having all these people? It's not about the numbers in the church. That's true. We read a portion of scripture right here where all of a sudden Peter, and I talked about Peter last week, one who shouldn't have been preaching a message of the gospel, but he was. Because God called redemption and reconciliation, no matter what your past is, God knows your future. He heals you in your present so that he can launch you in to the purpose that he has for your life. And Peter was that story. And so here's Peter preaching the message. And when he preaches the message, 3,000 got saved that day. Why not Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay? Why not? Now, I know right away I'm, I'm messing with some of your guys' heads right now because, you know, you get, oh, well, you can't build a big church. Why not? Why not? I mean, this is the way I see it. If people on a Sunday morning can fill a stadium from 60,000 to 100,000 people to watch 11 guys try to kill each other, why can't we have a big church like that? Why not us? Why not? Now, I know, again, some of you say, well, it's not about numbers. It's true. It's not about numbers. But if it wasn't totally about numbers, why would God put a book in the Bible called? Now, of course, it has its proper place. And for those of you theologians, you're like, well, okay, I get it. I've studied it. I see where you're going with it. But I just kind of want to, you know, jolt your thinking here a little bit. I want to jolt you a little bit. Because there is a reason why. And so the way I see it is like, why not? Look at your neighbor and say, why not? If it's okay for 60,000 lunatic fans to go to a stadium, why can't we get 60,000 to come and worship our risen Savior Jesus Christ on a Sunday? Why not? Why not? I don't see why not. I mean, another reason why I think that, no, this is my personal opinion, why I think, because I think that when people are looking for an answer, they should find it in the church. That's what I think. Like, I don't want people, when it comes to love, the first thing they think about is, oh, I'm feeling in this love moment right now. I need to watch The Notebook. I'm in that romance. Oh, like, to me, the, note sh the Notebook should not be everything on love. What do you want? I don't know what I want. What do you want? I don't know what I want. What do you want? What do you want? 
don't know what I want. It's not that easy. I think when people want to find out about love, I don't think R. Kelly should be the one that everybody starts thinking of. I don't see nothing wrong. Holy, holy, holy. But to be honest, that's, what, that's the way people view it. That's how people think of sex when they think of, you know, these songs. This is what sex is about. Grab a girl, find her, make love to her, and if I don't have her the next day, then go on to the next one. On to the next. Like, that's the way our culture thinks. This is love. This is sex. You want to know about sex? Read the book of Song of Solomon. I will climb that tree. I will bear hold of its fruit. Your legs are like that of a gazelle. Hallelujah. I don't see nothing wrong with finding out about love in the Bible. Why do people avoid it when it comes to, you know, the love? Oh, no, don't read it in the Bible. Find out from these people over here. No. I believe that God has called us to build a church here that when people want to find out about love, go to the church. When people want to find out about serious issues, go to the church. Like this church should be the place here in this city where people really want to find out. And when people really want to know what's really going on in the world, they shouldn't have to go on YouTube. They shouldn't have to go over here. They shouldn't have to pay all these classes and find out. Say, no, I know where I need to go. I need to go where the presence of God is prevalent and dominant. And victory on return of the bay is the place where I know that God resides. Why not us? Why not? When it comes to violence, oh my gosh, people, you know, right away, ooh, violent, the movie 300. You know that that was first in the Bible? I mean, you really want to read about gore and people, you know, people, oh, I love gore. You want to find out about gore? Read the Bible. I mean, we talk about it so nicely, right? When David, he took the sling, he got five smooth stones, right? Because that word smooth makes it smell... Uh, sound smooth, right? Smooth. He grabbed the stones and he get it and he got the giant and he put the stone in his head and the giant fell. And David was victorious. You know what David did? He went over there, grabbed his sword, and cut off his head. That's a G. People always talk, I'm a G. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Tupac, that's a G. No, you want a G? Read the stories in the Bible. They'll make those G's look like little B's. Ain't no G. <laughs> little A, little B, little C. Real G's? I'm telling you, read the Bible. It'll blow your mind. People always think, oh, when it comes to gangsters, find out over here. When it comes to love, find out over here. When it comes to this, find out over there. No, when it comes to the things of this world, the place that they should be looking to is the church of God. They should be looking here, not out there, in here. That's why I believe that God has called Victory Outreach to build a monumental church here in the city of Hayward. Why not us? 
Why not us? Tell your neighbor, why not? See, if we're going to build a monumental church here in the city of Hayward, then there must be some monumental people in this body. The word monumental means this, resembling a monument, massive or imposing. It also means exceptionally great, as in quantity, quality, extent, or even degree. In other words, like a monumental work. That was a monumental happening. Also means of historical or enduring significance. In other words, like a monumental victory. Perfect example, I think today is the day to share it. When the 49ers back in the 80s, I know, I know some of you are looking at me like, but look it, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody, you don't even have to talk about the game. All you got to do is just talk about the catch. That's a monumental victory. If you're a 49er fan, that's history right there. You remember those things. You probably don't even remember who the guy's name is. All you just remember is the catch. Now, those that are older remember, and you keep that legacy going. But the younger ones, they have no idea. They just know it because you call it the catch. That's a monumental victory. See, here within Victory Outreach Church of the Heart of the Bay, some people, even when, uh, last week when I talked about the movie Shotgun, how many seen Shotgun? How many have never seen it? They've never seen it, but they still remember it. Why? Because you keep that legacy going. It's a monumental thing. See, this church and being built and being a monumental church is more important to even those that are out there to even those that are in here. Those that are out there are counting on you making the catch. They're counting on you catching the vision. They're counting on you catching the heart of God. They're counting on you to build this monumental church. See, that's what monumental is. When people can see it and know it. Look at this is very important, and I need you to, uh, to catch it here this morning. This church is more important to Hayward than Hayward knows. This church is very important. And now listen to me. It's not the building. I know some I'm trying to, I want to get you away from the box. It's not the building because just to let you know, this is not our building. It's not our building. But you are the temple of God. You're the church. So wherever you go, you hold that monumental legacy inside of you. That's why it's very important. Listen, I know it's the beginning of the year, and I'm trying to give you a, a, a guidance and a vision of where we're going for 2014 and what is taking place and what is happening. And what is very important is going to be happening from now from January all the way to December. You are building a monument. You're building a monument. See, as I began to read the scriptures, and I was studying weeks ago, God put this message upon my heart. And building a monumental church. But if you're going to build a monumental church, you have to have monumental people. So the title of this message is People I Wish I Had in My Church. People I Wish. Now, last week I talked about it. Now, some of you are saying, me? Well, you're here. You're already my wish fulfilled. But there's some people here that I know could really help build a monumental church. Some are seemingly insignificant. You will barely read their name one time in the Bible. Some of them, they don't even have a name. All they call them is the woman who was a widow. That's it. That's it. They don't give the exact name. There's a lot of people in the Bible, they don't even give their name. They just give their action, what they did. But I believe, even with the action of what they're doing, we can build a monumental church with those kind of people. Can I hear an Amen. I believe that God wants to build a monumental church, a historical church here 
within the city of Hayward, and I believe it's our time. There is a revival that is coming to the Bay Area, and I believe the heart of the Bay should be a part of that. Can I hear an amen? Really quickly, really fast, I just want to go over last week, if you weren't here, I gave three people that I believe, as I read the scriptures, a part of the people that I wish I had in my church. The first one was Noah. Noah. One man made a difference for the whole world. One man. And seemingly insignificant. Why? He wasn't anybody great or mighty. He wasn't anything powerful about him. Matter of fact, the Bible talks about he became a construction worker when he was 600 years old. So for those of you that think, well, I'm already up there in age, I'm already done with, let's let the youngsters do it. Can you imagine if Noah thought like that? God, you're speaking to me? I got sons that could do it. I'll let the children do it. Noah said, no, 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 I'll do it. I'll get these hands dirty. See, Noah wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. And because he got his hands dirty, he was able to keep the world clean. See, that's what we need. Men and women, just willing to get their hands dirty. Let's just do it. I'll do it. You want to do it? You want to do it? Don't worry about it. I'll get it done. We're going to make this happen. One man can make a difference. Also, it talked about Benaiah. Benaiah. This is a man. You don't really hear his name all that much. Now, some of you think, well, is he related to Nehemiah? It's almost like everybody that has an ayah, they must be related. No. Benaiah. Bible says he was a valiant soldier, one of David's mighty men. But the thing about Benaiah is that he wasn't a part of the top three. There was a top three soldiers that David had, and then there was a list of 30. But the Bible says that he was greater than the 30, but he wasn't as famous as the top three. He was in the middle. See, I believe that the people I wish I had in my church was people that didn't have an identity crisis. They knew who they were. No problem. Look, I, I know what I can do, and I know it's a little bit better than these, but I know it may not be as good as them. But, hey, I'm here. I'm a soldier. I'm reporting for duty. What do you have me to do? That's it. When everyone else is scared, remember I talked about last week, he went into a, 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 on a snowy day. He went into a snowy pit, and he killed a lion. The lion represented fear. The snow represented everybody indoors. Nobody wants to come out. But here goes Benaiah. I'll take care of it. What do you want me to do? And then the thing about it is that he didn't do the great accolades and the great exploits that everybody saw. The Bible just says that he did great exploits. That's it. What did he do? I don't know. Go ask him. But if you ask him, he probably won't tell you. He'll just be the kind of guy that I just get the job done. Guys that just get the job done. Doesn't matter who does the job, as long as the job gets done. That was the kind of guy that Beniah was. And then also, Peter. Peter was the, I shared that last week, I think Peter was one of the disciples who was started the very first victory outreach, right? I believe that. Now, for those of you theologians, don't get all crazy on me here. I just think, who else sleeps with a knife during prayer? Well, who else sleeps in prayer? Let that one settle in right there. It's big outreach right there. We had an all-night prayer the other day. I was, I was cracking up, man. I love the guys, man. You guys are awesome. But I saw some of them, man. They were like, we were at 4 in the morning. I was like, come on, let's all stand. Huh? I just want to bless something. What am I blessing? It was fun, man. I was having a great time. But they stood all night. I got to give them props. They stood all night. They were there till 6 o'clock in the morning. 
But who else is in prayer slash sleeping and has a knife, wakes up, and his first reaction is, I'm going to cut off the ear of the first person I see. Yeah! I mean, just on impulse. That's immediately like, that's a victory outreach kind of guy right there. He's the kind of guy, that's Peter. It's just Peter. Now, sometimes I feel like I should have a T-shirt that says, this guy, and an arrow pointing this way. You know, this guy. I'd be standing next to Peter going, this guy. Because Peter's the kind of guy that you're just like, yeah, 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 okay. But yet Jesus said, no, 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 Peter, even though you're going to deny me, I'm still going to use you. Even though you don't believe me, I'm still going to use you. You're crazy enough just for me to use. And then, that's what we read in Acts chapter 2. The first message preached by the power of the Holy Ghost. Remember, now here came the Holy Ghost. Here's the Holy Spirit. wasn't there before. But now the first Holy Ghost message preached by Peter. And when he preached, 3,000 got saved. The same guy who said, I'll never deny you, and then denied Jesus. The same hypocrite that was there said, when you look at hypocrites, you go, oh, he's a hypocrite. Don't give him an opportunity. But no, Peter was the story of redemption and reconciliation that God can use whoever he chooses to use. Even though you might have a messed up past, God can still use you for your call in the future. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. That's what Peter was. The fourth person on my wish list here is a man by the name of Timothy. Timothy. Timothy was a man who was seemingly, who, excuse me, who was not seemingly the right choice. Timothy was a disciple of Paul. And when I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it didn't exactly seem like Timothy was very successful in his mission from his mentor Paul. Paul even directs one of the most famous scriptures to Timothy in which many of us now believe that Timothy, why he could have been a timid guy. Because the scripture says, let no one despise your youth. Maybe Timothy was timid. Maybe he didn't have that strength and that boldness. That's why Paul had to encourage him. No, 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 no. Fan the flame. Let no one despise your youth. You can do it. You can do it. Because Timothy was the kind of guy, I don't know if I can do it, man. I I don't know if I can make this happen. Maybe Timothy was the kind of guy that was good in the background, but just doing good works just for the ministry. When you read the book of Timothy, you'll see how Paul had to even kick a few people out of the church so that Timothy didn't have to deal with them. Maybe, just maybe, Timothy didn't know how to correct people yet. He didn't know. He was just a young man. Now, I know a lot of times right away we take that scripture and say, let no one despise your youth. So in our culture, in our day and age, we look at youth and we go 16, 17 years old. When you study the scriptures, actually, Timothy could have been anywhere from 30, 35, even 40 years old. And yet still at 40 years old, he was still a timid guy. Oh, I can't do it. I don't, I don't have that. I'm not like him. He's better. Give him the try. Let him do it. But still, with all his weaknesses and all his mistakes within his life, Timothy, look at this. This is the the part right here I want you to catch. Timothy was chosen to take over a thriving church in Ephesus that many believe could have been 
from 20,000 to 100,000 people in attendance at his church. Think of this. Uh, okay, I, I really want you to find this here. Timothy, already from the life and the scriptures of what we read as you study, you'll see that a lot of people think, well, he was timid. He, you know, he didn't have it all together. That's why Paul kept encouraging him. He wrote a second letter. You know, he tried to tell him because there were a lot of things that were going to happen in the church. And there was a lot of things taking place. But think of this. A timid guy, Paul puts as the pastor of a church, not of 20 people, not of 100 people, but a church quite possibly of 100,000 people. Wouldn't you think a pastor of 100,000 should be strong, should be bold, should be able to preach the word of God, should be power and vigor, should be able to conduct himself worthy that people can see as an example. But Paul says, no, give me the timid guy, the one that nobody thinks can really do it. I trust him. Can you imagine? This is what, as you study the scriptures, a lot of people believe that Mary, the mother of Jesus, attended his church. Can you imagine going to church? Come on, let's worship God. You know what I mean, right? You know what I mean. Yes. Oh, man, isn't God awesome? You, you know what I mean. You know what I mean, right? When you're preaching, you better get it right. You've got the mother of Jesus attending your church. I don't know about you, but I'd be a little nervous preaching to the mother of all creation, of heavens and earth, sitting in your church. Like, wow, what do I say? What's going on here? And if she got there, she got there by the apostle John. So now, not only do you got Mary... You got the cousin of Jesus in your church. Can you imagine? I know we always talk about Jesus is here. Oh, Jesus is here. Going to Timothy's church, Jesus is here. And his family is here too. You know how nervous that would make me? That would make, I mean, that's pretty nerve-wracking right there. Yet Paul told him, you'll do. You can do it. No, not me. I, 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 I'm a little fearful. There's, there's a ton of other people that are better than me. Yeah, but don't let no one despise your youth. No, there's guys that are more seasoned than I am. They, they, they have a, a better understanding of what is taking place. I know that you'll want to use them. Paul says, no, I want to use you. God says, no, I want to use you. See, even though you might not have all the understanding and can fathom all the mysteries of the universe, God still wants to use you. The kind of person I wish I had in my church is a person that just says, look, I don't have it all together, but I just want to be used by God. That's it. I just want to be used by God. I just want to bless his name. I just want to make him glad. I just want to move his heart. And I just want to give him all that I am. That's it. I just want to do my best. That's why a lot of people believe that Paul had to break down all the doctrine because really Timothy didn't know it all that much. So that's actually where we get a lot of our pastoral leadership and a lot of our doctrine from, from the book of Titus and the book of Timothy, where we get a lot of it from. And so Paul had to break it down to him. And then even sometimes he told them, look, don't worry about all that other crazy stuff. Don't worry about all that other stuff. Matter of fact, I, I like the scripture even in there. I believe it's in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, look. Don't even worry about the myths or the old wives' tales. 
You know why he said that? As I began to study it, what was, this is where you get that, that word from, old wives' tales. It's because the women in the church were making stuff up. That's what they were doing. They were just making stuff up. I know. That's crazy, right? That's crazy. But he says, look, look, look. Don't worry about that. Because you have to remember, Timothy, being a man who's also of genealogy of the faith, because his mother and his grandmother. And when you're a, a young boy and you got your mom in the church with you, and when you got your family around you, it's kind of hard to be a little bold because you got other people who've been doing this a lot longer than you have. And so here's Timothy, and Paul, Paul says, no, you'll do. I know, I know what I'm, I'm getting you into. I understand. You've been with me. You know what Timothy also was? Timothy was a representative wherever Paul wanted to send him. When he said, look, I need you to go over here to Corinth, Timothy would go. I need you to go over here, Timothy would go. I need you to go speak, I need you to go, and there Timothy would go. Are you the kind of person that wherever your pastor, your leader will send you, can you represent them? Can you represent? When you go to your job, are you a person that represents God? When you go there with your family, can you be a representative of God? See, that's what Timothy was. Timothy was a representative that wherever he went, he represented the kingdom of God. The second people here today that I wish I had in my church are exactly there with Timothy, and that's Timothy's mother and Timothy's grandmother, Lois and Eunice. These are the other kind of people I wish I had in my church. Eunice was the mother of Timothy, and Lois was the grandmother. In the book of Acts, Eunice is described as a Jewish woman who was a believer. Stop right there. That's a heavy statement. A Jewish woman who was a believer. That's not easily found, especially back then, even now to this day. That's still not found. A Jewish woman who was a believer that Christ was the Savior. You know how hard that is to find even today? But back then, when Christ had just died, here's a woman who believed even despite everybody else. She said, no, 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 no. You can't tell me any different. I love it whenever I see moms and I see women. No, no, no. You can't tell me any different. God is my Savior. You can't tell me nothing different. No, no, no. You can't. God's going to change my son. You can't tell me no difference. It's going to happen. No, 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 no. You can't tell. Okay. Make up all your myths. Make up all your systems. Make up. No, no, no. God is going to change my son, and can't nobody tell me different. When you have a mom that is in the church that is believing, despite what everyone else says, I wish I had a mom like that in this church. That just believes it. I don't care what you say. I know that my God is real. I believe it with all my heart. A mom that believes for her family, no matter what anybody else says. That's the kind of faith that she had. Now, even in the book of Timothy, Lois and Eunice had their names mentioned. What was so significant about these two women's Names. Why was it significant even to mention their name? The reason why I believe is because this shows the generation strength that was passed down to Timothy and who deposited the greatness inside of him. Where did Timothy get his greatness from? From his mom. He got it from his mom. And his mom got it from her mom. See, that showed this primary purpose showing that Timothy's religious heritage had stability and and had history. See, these were the kind of women 
that gave power to a church like Ephesus. They were shown as examples in the midst of all these false false doctrines and even amidst all the gossip. Even when other things were happening, when they were saying, look, all these old wives' tales and all this stuff that the women are saying, here's two women I want to show you that are doing great. Even when all this other stuff is happening, no, 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 I want to show you these two women. They're powerful. They're great. They've got a great legacy. When you read the scriptures, you'll find a lot of times that this person beget this person, beget this person, beget this person. This is a powerful statement to say that Timothy came from her and she came from her. That's a powerful statement to say that. I love it. Even in our church, I believe that we have these kind of women. Can I hear an amen? I love it. Even the other day we were talking, and we were talking about Sister Carmen. Now, if you don't know Carmen, I'm going to tell you right now. Because here in the heart of the bay, we got a little bit of history. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. Here in the heart of the bay, we got a little bit of history. And Sister Carmen, ooh, Sister Carmen begat Sister Gloria. Sister Gloria begat Sister Shana. And Sister Shana, God, Matt was grateful that God brought Sister Shana here. And then they begat Brother Julian. History. It continues down. Now, the thing I love about Carmen, oh, my gosh, faithful, faithful. When it was time for worship. Now, you have to remember at the time, I don't know how old she is now. 80. She's around 80 years old, right? This is begat Gloria, just in case you didn't know. Amen. Gloria Morales. But Sister Carmen, when she was here, around, you know, late 60s, 70 years old, 70 years old, when we come up, we start getting the service ready. Okay, let's, let's time and let's worship the Lord. Let's pray. And then we get into worship. The first person always to come and dance, Carmen. Right? Every time. Every time. With her cane. She would come up here, and we'd be singing, I got the victor living in me. And, you know, seven years old, she can't move a whole lot. But what she would do, I got the victor living in me. I'm serious. That's what she would do. She would like, hey. She would move. And then even a couple times, a little bit as she got older, she kind of progressed there in age with her bones, and it was kind of hard for her. She would still come. She still came. She would still come up here and still dance. You know how hard it is to get 26 years old to come on up here and dance? You're 25 years old. You're 30 years old. You can dance. She's 70 years old. You would actually expect it. No, it's okay. Why don't you go ahead and be seated? No. You ever try to tell an older woman, don't do that? Don't. You probably have no finger after that. See, that's why it was important for Lois and Eunice for the heritage that was showing what was going on with Timothy. You want to know where Timothy got it from? He got it from his mom. Lois and Eunice. They were there. So when Carmen comes up here and she starts dancing, man, you got Gloria. You got Shana. I love it whenever we come here and we see Sister Irma back there. I love that right there. Sister, like, you, you heard it from earlier. You have not had a hug unless you've had it from Sister Irma. Can I hear an amen? It's the truth. 
Now, I know some of you are thinking, oh, that, no, that's not. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Try it. She has the best hugs you'll ever see and ever experience. Just the best. Now, Sister Irma begat Sister Gloria. Another Gloria. See how we get, I don't know what it is about Glorious. Gloria a Dios. See, I'm learning Spanish. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Gloria. And then Gloria begat Athena. And Athena begat Carlos Jr. See, I know their heritage. That's why. And Carlos is now a regional youth leader. Why? Because of Sister Irma. Now, Irma, you're not going to hear her name behind the pulpit all that much. You're not going to see her preach. But it's okay. You don't have to. You can see what she begat. You're not going to see Sister Carmen up here and all that. That's okay. You can see what she begat. And that's what Lois and Eunice represented. Well, what did Lois do? What did Eunice do? You don't have to worry about that. Just know that they're here in the church and they're women of power. And what they begat is more powerful than what you'll ever see. Powerful. Women that just come and say, God, I am ready to produce the greatness of what you have for me. Listen to me, mom. Listen to me, grandmother. Your children and your children's children are going to produce power here in the city of Hayward. Don't give up for your children. Don't give up for your grandchildren. I know that it may not look good. I know that your children seem a little timid. It seems like, well, they can't be that great leader. They're never going to be the president. I want them to do great things. And I know you may look at your children or your grandchild, and they may not even be here in the church, but they're running away from the things of God. But because of Lois and because of Eunice, all of a sudden we have a guy that took over a church that could have up to over 100,000 people and even maybe even have Jesus' mom in the church. Just because mom said, I'm doing this, I believe even when everyone else does it. Have women like that in the church. You can't tell me God ain't real. You can't tell me that this doesn't work. You can't tell me that this is not going to be a monumental church. I believe it with all my heart that God has called Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay to raise up a powerful monumental church in the city of Hayward. I believe it. Just get a few women that just believe it. The last one and then I'm done right here. Is Aristarchus. Aristarchus. Now, some of you are saying, I've never heard that name. Is that a Greek mythology name? Aristarchus. Aristarchus was mentioned in the Bible a few times, but there's one time in particular in the book of Colossians. He was one of the faithful companions of the Apostle Paul who shared with him in his labors and sufferings. He is suddenly mentioned as having been seized by the excited Ephesians in the book of Acts during the riot stirred up by the silversmiths. The Bible says in the book of Colossians that Aristarchus was a fellow prisoner of the Apostle Paul. That's what he was. There's not a whole lot mentioned about him, just a few things. But one thing that stands out to me, the Bible says that Aristarchus was a fellow prisoner of the Apostle Paul. If you are going to be, for those of you who've been in jail and been, been in prison, you have your bunkies. They're there. You spend enough time with them, you're going to get to know all about them. You just are. That's just the way that it is. Even if you're of different race, of different color, sometimes even the, 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 the wardens, they'll do that to you and they'll mess with you on purpose. They'll put you in places where you know you ain't supposed to be and you have to get along if you're going to live. 
Well, Aristarchus, can you imagine being there with Aristarchus and the Apostle Paul? Eventually, you're going to hear about a lot of great things that God has been doing through the Apostle Paul. You're just going to hear about it. It just happens. Aristarchus, the Bible says that the Apostle Paul said that I'm going to send you to him because he knows a lot about me. And he's still going to be okay with it. Because he understands what I went through and he understands where you can go. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. Now, I say that because of this. Myself, I've never been to prison. I ain't never been to jail. Actually, let me rephrase that. Yes, I have been to jail, and yes, I have been to prison. I've been there to go preach. I've been in the prisons in the Philippines. I've been to a prison here, San Quentin, Santa Rita. I've been to these places to go preach. Actually, I should rephrase that. One time I did go to jail. You know why I went to jail? I'm going to disclose myself right now. <gasps> the pastor went to jail. I was in Chicago. And I went to jail for preaching on top of a van. <laughs> Seriously, that's what happened. Uh, I grabbed the microphone, and they had speakers. And I go, give me the mic. And I go, what are you going to do? I go, just drive. <laughs> so I grabbed the microphone, and I'm standing on top of it. And I made a dent in the van on the top of the hood. And I'm like, want to let you know Jesus loves you. And the guy's driving, and he's scared. He's scared. I go, just drive, bro. Just, you know, 19 years old. What do I care? Don't worry about it. If I fall, I got a 19-year-old head. Don't worry about it, right? I'll be all right. See how 19-year-olds think? Crazy, huh? It's nuts. I'll still do it, though. I'll still jump on top. I just won't let it move. <laughs> See, before I ghost ride the whip, now I'm Holy Ghost riding the whip. Amen. The Holy Ghost gives you wisdom. Don't move the van. So I did one time. But I say that because I really have a heart for those who have been in jail and prison. They fully understand what it is to be free. If you've ever been in jail and you've ever been in prison, you remember when the doors opened and that feeling of just what I've been waiting for all my life. Whether you've been to jail for just a day or you've been to jail for half your life, you know that when those doors open up, freedom. Aristarchus was the kind of guy that would be right there with you and said, look, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll go back to jail. I've been there before. You can't scare me with nothing. Anything that you can bring upon me now, even for the gospel of Jesus Christ, don't worry about it, Paul. I got your back. I've been to prison. I've been there with you. And if we got to go back again, I'll go back again because I'm ready to do this. Listen to me. I was in London, England, still a young man. I'll never forget. We were passing out flyers. And some guy, I was in an elevator, and I was passing out flyers. And a guy grabbed my hood, and he Bam! He popped me right in the eye. He socked me. I was like, whoa, what the heck? I'll never forget. When he hit me, all of a sudden, I, whoa, I backed up. And I finally, when I opened my eye, I seen about 10 guys on top of this dude. Some of them weren't fully saved yet, amen? And they were on top. I wish I was joking. They were on top of this guy. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Hallelujah, I bring the power of the Holy Ghost upon this dude. May the rock of Dwayne Johnson and Peter come upon you right now. 
That's all I remember. I was in Chicago. We were doing some street rallies. I'll never forget. We're about to start the rally. And I was, I was always the one on the microphone getting people stirred up, getting people stirred up. And there's a lot of us, so I'm on top again. Here we go again. On top of the truck. I said, all right, you guys ready? We're going to be doing a rally. And as soon as I go, okay, we're going to start in five minutes. I put the mic down. As soon as I put the mic down, all I hear is, bow, 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 bow. And there's bullets ringing by in the trees. And I went, whoa. And I remember I jumped down, and I jumped behind the truck. And there was a bunch of us, probably at least a good hundred of us. I th- you were there, right? My wife was there. We weren't even married yet, but she, she was looking at me even then. Amen. <laughs> and we're, she was like, oh, my gosh, look at that guy in the truck. Don't let him get shot, Lord. It's just a joke for those of you that are listening on our podcast right now. It's just a joke. Amen. My wife is smiling. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. And I'll, I'll never forget this. Boom. And we're there. I was like, oh, my gosh. This guy, well, because we were in Latin King territory. And if you know anything about the Latin Kings, they know about the church. They don't care. They do not care. Because, you know, we were there at 10 o'clock at night. We we're kind of disturbing their rest. So I get it. But, you know, we were radical. Who cares? Come on. But I'll never forget this. Never. It's like, boom, right there. The microphone, because I left it up there. I left the microphone. One of the pastors, his name was Pastor Julian. I'll never forget. Right? And they're shooting at us. They're shooting at us. Grabs the microphone, stands up on the side of the truck. He goes, everybody, turn that way towards the guy. He was in the window. He's right there in the window. About 100 feet, probably at the kind of the top of the balcony over there. And he goes, everybody turn your hands, stretch your hands forth, and we're going to pray for that man to put down that gun. In the name of, yeah, you saw me, put it down in Jesus' name. And everybody starts praying for the guy. And I went, man, that's the kind of guy I want around me. Who in their right mind grabs a microphone when people are shooting at you and says, I'm going to pray for you. Who does that? Nobody does that except for a guy like Aristarchus. What you want, Paul? They shooting at you? I'm there. What you want, Paul? They're in a riot? I'm there. I was in Indonesia. I'll never forget. There was a riot, fat riot. I've been in a lot of places. I know some of you look at me like he's young. He has, I, trust me. Been a lot of places, seen a lot of things. I was in a riot there in Indonesia. And now you have to know this about third world country riots. They're not like our riots. You know, the nice, you know, the, the pe- police barricades and pepper spray and no, we won't go. Ah! No, 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 no. We have nice riots. We have nice riots. These guys are getting bottles right. I mean, I'm sitting in the car and these guys are whoa, whoa. Ah, boom. I mean, they're chucking bottles. I mean, there's fire everywhere. I was like, what is going on here? And I'll never forget Chucky, who was in the, uh, when he first got there to Indonesia, he goes, yeah, they do this a lot. I was like, dude, what? these guys are pushing our car. Like, this is serious business. This is a real riot. This is not like Channel 7 News bringing it to you. No, like, no, these guys really want to kill the person they're coming against. 
Our riots are just like, we want to make a statement. Theirs is like, yeah, I'm going to make a statement by killing you. That's my statement. This is real stuff. And I just remember Chucky like, yeah, that's just what they're doing. I was like, all right, I, I guess so. If you're used to it, then so am I. Because yeah, don't worry, we'll, we'll get through. Now, I'll be honest, it got a little scarier even after that. It got actually very scary. I mean, just because the bottles are right there in front. People are coming, shots, pop, pop, pop. But they told me, don't get out of the car. Whatever you do, don't get out of the car. Again, I was young. I wanted to get out of the car. What did I want to do? I wanted to do this even before the whole, you know, phenomenon of phones and all that. Now, I wanted to go take pictures. That's crazy. I know. See, thank God. Amen. See, thank God I didn't do that. Praise the Lord. I was getting out of the car, and Chucky goes, no, 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 don't do that. I go, well, why not? He goes, we've got to use wisdom right now. He says, it's there, but don't get it wrong. They still will kill you. Uh, all right. So we just kind of watched the riot from the car and the traffic. We got through it. It was crazy. But see, those are the kind of guys that Paul said, look, I got this guy. He knows what it's like to go through a few things. So even if it gets hot and it gets heavy and people want to run, don't worry about it. I got you a guy, he ain't running nowhere. He's willing to go to jail. He's willing to go to prison. He's willing to get things done even when everyone else is saying, no, no, no. Aristarchus, he's your guy. He's got this. He's solid there with you. He's strong. He's a fellow inmate of mine. He's been there with me in the bad times. He's been there with me in the suffering times. He's been there with me when no one else wanted to be there. I got you a guy like Aristarchus. Listen to me. I believe that a monumental church will be built when we have some men and some women like Lois, some women like Eunice, some men like Peter, some men like Aristarchus, some men like Benaiah that will say, listen, I believe that God wants to build a historical monumental church here in the city of Hayward and I'm willing to be that monumental man and that monumental woman. Look, I'm not saying that, listen, after this, go to prison. Please don't do that. But I am saying this, and he can come to the piano right here right now. I am saying this. We're coming to a day and age. We're preaching the gospel. It's going to get you in prison. It's happening. It's not on its way. It's actually here. I read of a pastor in Orange County, got arrested for having a Bible study at his house. This is real stuff. This is real stuff. See, and Paul knew this. Paul understood this. So he said, look, I, I got you a guy. He knows what it's like. That's, that's, why I, that's what I like about Victory Outreach. Because whenever we tell people about Victory Outreach, we say, oh, yeah, we got some ex-gang members and ex-drug addicts and, and people have been to prison. Prison? I'll tell you right now, when, when the tire meets the road, I want somebody who's not afraid to die. I want somebody who's not afraid. No, no, no. When it comes to the gospel, I'm a, I've, I've been to the worst of the worst. You can't kill me with anything. Matter of fact, to, to be absent from the body, present with Christ. To live as Christ and to die, pff, are you kidding me? It's a gain. Lois, Eunice, powerful women, Benaiah, Peter, Timothy, Aristarchus. I believe that there are men and women in this church just like that. I truly believe that with all my heart. I truly believe that God wants to build a monumental church in the city of Hayward. Why not? Why not? Why not? 
that when people are looking for an answer, they see a church that has the answer. They go, oh yeah, that, that place over there where they got that cross, that big yellow cross. That's where I want to go. There's something happening over there at that big yellow cross with the people inside of it. I don't even know the name of it. I just know that the people inside of it, they got the answer. That's what I want. That's where I want to go. I'll close with this. For those of you who have not been here, especially if you're a visitor here, I shared this story a little while ago. The city of Hayward told this church they had to get rid of the cross on the top. They got to get rid of it. So they were going to get rid of it. But then the story is that the airport told the city, you cannot remove that cross. And the city told them, well, no, they have to remove it. You know, with the signs up to date, things got to take place, the permits. And the airport told them, no. The reason why that cross must stay there is because when our planes fly over, they look for the cross as guidance. And they know that they're in Hayward because of the cross. They're going to know that there's a God the city of Hayward because of the people that are underneath that cross. They're going to know it. It's a monumental church being built in the heart of the bay. God has called you. God's going to use you. I know you may feel timid, but God's going to use you. I know you might have messed up in your past, but God is going to use you. I know that you think that God can't, but listen, your offspring, God's going to use you and your offspring. God wants to use you. God wants to have you build a monumental church here in the city of Hayward, in the heart of the bay, that the people will know that there is a God that reigns supreme in Hayward, California. They're going to know it. They're going to know it. They're going to know it. God has called this church. God's called this church. Stand with me here this morning. Lift your hands with me. Let's sing a song. Let's sing a song here this morning. I believe the power of God is moving in ministry even right now. Listen, if that's you, I want you to slip out of your seat right now if you can. God wants to use, build a church.